Welcome to Case in Point, produced by the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School. My name is Matt Marin, and I'm the Multimedia Coordinator from the Communications Department. Joining us today is Professor of Law and Psychology, Tess Wilkinson-Ryan, from the Penn Law Class of 2005. Also here is Professor of Law, David Hoffman. They're here to discuss Promises, Promises, which is their new contract law podcast. Promises, Promises takes a laid-back, humorous, and spontaneous form to deliver critical thought about the cases that make up the 1L curriculum. Thank you for being here. What is the Promises, Promises podcast? Promises, Promises is a uh, is audio recordings of Dave and me just talking about, overly arguing about cases that we teach typically in, in our contracts course. And we sort of choose cases that are either sort of part of the contract law canon, um, so that everyone has like, opinions about them. Um, you know, people can sort of remember them from their own law school days or, um, or we choose cases that are just really hard. Um, and, and the idea originally was just to have our own students be able to have some sort of extra, um, extra ways to engage with the material in a, in a pretty, in a pretty weird semester. Why did you start the podcast and like, where did the idea kind of originate from? For, for me, you know, it was sort of at the end of the spring, I had been teaching, I'd moved from a, a, a in-person class to a remote class. I found that experience really hard. And I started thinking about what the fall was going to look like when I was going to teach contracts and having the feeling like it was going to be awfully disrupted. Even if we got to start in person, I had the, the fear that there were going to be long swatches of time where we were going to go uh, remote and started talking to Tess about, you know, what can we do to create materials that will kind of like harden the course against disruption, you know, that things that will give students different ways to learn the materials as Tess uh, uh, mentioned, and also give me a way to feel like I was doing something productive over the summer that would be like actually steps forward as opposed to just doom scrolling. Um, and so we came up with the idea of, you know, talking about the cases. And originally we were going to talk about them with our TAs and have sort of a bit more, um, um, material around the stuff, but we had our first discussion and realized, you know, one, uh, the video didn't really seem like an important part of that conversation. It was really the, the audio seemed like the interesting part. And then we said, why don't we just make this a podcast where the, the big advantage would be that students don't have to look at their computer, don't actually even have to um, stand still and, and can rather kind of like take contracts for a walk um, uh, or, or a very slow run. Uh, and um, the, the thought was, you know, this is just a different way to teach, a different way to deliver uh, information. And, um, you know, that when we got some pretty positive feedback about it, I think it, it maybe expanded a bit more than we originally had thought. I think we probably originally thought we were going to do, you know, four or five of these. And we ended up doing, well, a lot more. 19, maybe? Yeah, 19. A lot, right? It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think also, you know, at the end of the spring, you know, we we had this experience. I mean, now we're all kind of used to it, right? Now we're sort of nine months into into this sort of largely remote world. But at the end of the spring, it was, we were really, um, I think, taking it back or, or sort of processing, I guess, uh, how hard it is to, to do learning um, in our little isolated bubbles, right? There's so much sort of learning process that normally happens at like the interstices, right? At like the sort of seeing, seeing your students in the hallway or having students sort of part of informal conversations. Um, and for students having the sense that like Penn Law is a, is a institution populated by people who have like 
you know, networks and sort of intellectual commitments and relationships that, that sort of constitute this broader, I don't know, academic endeavor. And the idea was maybe if students could hear, or part of the idea was it's good for them to hear faculty talk to each other. Like that's good, that, like we, we actually, this is not just something we're doing sort of to perform in front of the class. We actually are super interested in these cases and, have, and, and like to talk about them and exchange ideas. And it also means it's a way of like modeling, uh, modeling a sort of a debate or a conversation that I think is, um, you know, has some pedagogical value. Teaching these courses year after year or this course, do they... Do they kind of change meaning for you both kind of as the years go on? Like you're kind of still uncovering things that maybe you never thought about when you were teaching the course, I don't know, two years ago, year ago. I mean, how does that kind of evolution take place? Could you talk a little bit about that and how the podcast maybe enabled some of that free thought? Yeah, this was, so, so yes, for sure. My thinking about the cases has changes dramatically. I sort of um, I mean, not every case, right? Some cases you sort of get into a, like a lull with over for a few years and then all of a sudden you sort of read something new. Um, a couple of years ago, I had, a, I had a student, um, who, uh, who was a fluent speaker of, of Czech, for example, <laughs> who like raised his hand and pointed something out about a case that were, that turned on sort of a, a linguistic, um, subtlety. And all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, this just opened up this thing in a case I've probably read, you know, 45 times before. It was pretty fun. Um, but it was funny when we first started doing this podcast to realize that actually this is not something you typically do with your colleagues, right? It's not the case that you would normally be chatting about, about old contracts cases together, right? This is not something, this is not what we are doing like around the lunch table at the law school. And so actually for me, this opened up a ton because it was the first time I'd ever spoken to, to anybody with sort of my level of commitment to the material about what's going on in these cases. And a couple of times we recorded a podcast, we, we start to record not knowing where what the other person's view was on the case and then find out that we were so wildly far apart that it was that we sort of had to, to like we sort of created nonsense for the first like hour and had to re-record because we were so far apart we couldn't even find the through it was it was half of us just being like wait you thought what right i think it's i agree with all that the thing that's kind of funny, you know, is so much of our sort we both are contract scholars, we've written together before. Um, but but it is kind of wild how little we talk about teaching in our day. I mean, we talk about teaching kind of like some student did some crazy thing today. Uh, or, you know, I can't believe, you know, the the air conditioning was so bad in the room. But I don't think we have like actual I mean, it's just not part of the ordinary day-to-day -day, uh, life of an academic to sort of say, you know, what crazy theory you've come up with over 15 years of iterating a particular case, because you don't even think it's crazy, A, and B, it's, you know, it's just not, um, it's not normally sort of what would come up. And so it was really interesting, I, th I mean, for me to both get to talk about my crazy theories and to hear Tess's, you know, har horrible responses and to, and to sort of, and to... I mean, to really learn, um, you know, what I, what I was up to, uh, and what she was up to in those, in those, in the room, um, it was, um, it was, it was quite revelatory. I mean, it has been quite revelatory because I just didn't, I mean, a lot of it was, I maybe I wasn't being intentional about, about some of the theories I had about these cases, because they just were so baked into my view of the facts. And that was another thing I think we realized is that we had a lot of hypotheses about the facts that we'd been pushing differently um, and that those hypotheses were leading us in really unexpected um, really unexpected places but it was 
kind of, I mean, it, that part was kind of delightful. I mean, I, I really enjoyed learning about what I actually was doing and what, and what, you know, she was doing at the same time. Um, and, and, you know, you're right that, that the way we teach these cases changes over time, but I'm not sure I ever even remember what I taught last year. I mean, I have like these notes and then I kind of sometimes look at the notes, but I, I'm mostly starting from scratch every year to like try to be fresh uh, about, about what the cases mean. Um, and so I definitely, if I was looking back 15 years, I'd be teaching the cases totally different, but I have no idea what that was, I was doing back then. So, I mean, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. No, it gave us this whole, it gave me this whole different sense of like the extent to which the facts matter, right? And like all these cases, so, so these cases are all, first of all, you're getting sort of a stylized version of some set of facts that occurred in the universe or maybe didn't even occur, right? That the court just says like, we assume that, th that, these, that these are the facts of this is what happened, right? Um, and the, um, so you have these sort of, so you have these sort of, you know, stylized, um, truncated, whatever, facts. And then you basically are filling in the, you're, fi you're filling in the gaps just um, I think sort of, um, implicitly, maybe you don't even know you're doing it. Right. Um, and so you have some version of what you think has happened that you don't even realize is sort of contestable or contested. Um, and one of the first, um, podcasts we recorded was about um, a case in which an, uh, an uncle promises money to his nephew, if the nephew will stop drinking and swearing and, ga and gambling. And like, it just turned out we had totally different versions of what this like uncle nephew relationship was like. And it meant totally different views of what the, of how the case ought to come out. Um, because we had sort of constructed these like, you know, Lego worlds of, of, of uncles and uncles and nephews and in order to predict, to predict what they do and to understand sort of their true motivations and stuff. And like, we almost couldn't talk about the case because we, we had, had such different sense of who these humans were. Yeah, we had to re-record that one. I mean, I think the first time we talked about it, it was like just a disaster because I, you know, we, we were so far apart on what the world looked like that we, we couldn't even talk to each other. It was actually pretty funny. I mean, that wasn't the only time it happened, but that was the time that was the most striking. How has podcasting complemented your teaching and what has podcasting taught you about legal education? Or what's the, uh, what's the value add to education through podcasting? Like everything about education, it's like, uh, or legal education, I, I mean, I can make a series of like non-falsifiable idiosyncratic claims. And so maybe that's what I'll do right now. I mean, I think that, the, uh, you know, my sense is that the students have gotten real value out of listening to us argue about the cases. I think that they've, that to when they've listened and then when they've talked to me about the the podcast they've they've gotten to, to engage with, their views about the cases are sharper. Um, they're, you know, they're just, they, they had, we cleared away a little bit of the brush and they got quicker to the hard questions in the cases. And so I think, although maybe I would have been a, a little bit skeptical or worried in, in advance about sort of like um, spoiling the whole enterprise, you know, here's the deep truth. Actually, it turns out that there's always a deeper, there's always a deeper cut to be made. And so I think one sort of, one thing I've sort of come to is, you know, we can create these supplementary materials that aren't, um, one worry about supplementary materials is that we sort of feel like a little condescending, like here, I'm going to pre-digest the material for you. But you, you can you can do that without, I think, really in any way dumbing down anything um, and yet still provoke the students or get them past the, uh, the trivially hard part of the case and get them moving right along to the really deep hard part of the cases. Uh, and that's been... 
that's been really great. I mean, the whole fall has been a learning experience um, in, as a teacher uh, about what I'm actually doing in the classroom, which I don't think I really even understood. Um, and the podcast has felt um, to me, like a bit of a, a safe place, like, well, at least if I didn't teach this particular thing very well, there's a podcast that can go and enforce it, uh, it can reinforce it rather. And especially I have this real worry of students kind of like just sitting in their houses all day, not getting to see other people and not getting to engage with um, the world. And so I've felt grateful that we were able to give them this at least, you know, here's an engaging piece of content that they don't have to be in front of a computer to to, or in front of a book, you know, they can walk outside and do something. And that's felt, that's felt really good. I mean, the other thing I'd say is it's been really interesting, and maybe Tess will talk about this, to sort of see other professors' reaction to the podcast. That was something I, I mean, we haven't really talked about that, but like the whole thing I thought was about our students. And it turns out that our biggest, our biggest fans are, are professors at Duke. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what's, I, the, um, maybe one of the, uh, lessons that, or, or one of the thoughts I have is that, um, you know, law school is very, um, um, it's very much like sort of a contact sport for, especially for first year students, right? Like super, it's like super participatory. Um, and this kind of gave me this funny sense of, of a role for, for more passive learning of more sophisticated content. So if you think about listening to a podcast, you kind of do get to like relax for a bit and like let a little bit of it seep in. And they don't, the, the podcast content is not, I mean, I think it's helpful for students who are trying to sort of work through the material for what these cases mean for sure, right? That's the goal. But we're not asking them to memorize anything on this on these podcasts, right? This is, this is largely gonna be sort of um, food for thought right? It helps provide some context. It gives you different ways of thinking, you know, different, different sort of ways into a case maybe. Um, but it's, it's, it's a way of, um, sort of offering like a learning experience that where the stakes are sort of ratcheted down a bit. Um, and they can, it, it, I'm, I, my, the hope is, is you get to have some of the sort of like vivacity of, of, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but like the, of, of the law school experience, right? It's a little bit like, it's like, it feels it's, it's, it's pleasant and interactive, for, except that the students themselves are not interacting. They get to sort of be, they get to sort of just sit back for a little bit. Um, and I think that that's actually a nice adjunct to, 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 the, to the course. Like whether we're remote or in person, I can see thinking that for students, this is a nice way of engaging um, that, that could sort of feel relaxing. And yeah. Just the idea that like they can kind of listen to how you guys come to a conclusion or you kind of set up thinking about a problem in a much lower stakes way. So kind of in a sense can even maybe um, make it more fun to think about how to come to these problems or in class. That is for sure. Like the, the added stress, stress and pressure of being called on. I think that other professors experience it that way too. I mean, I think that the the contract professors who've been sending us sort of feedback, who've been assigning the podcast to their students have said, one, it's, it's awfully relaxing for them to hear the sort of takes that we have and, and to, um, for them to sort of get to um, sort of have a window into how other people teach. But, um, you know, our sense is that the, their own students have had the same experience, even though we're not teaching those students. And so it, it really is like just a, um, a passive, but not in a bad way, a passive form of learning that, you know, has made a lot of people's lives easier this semester, which is 
and that feels really great. And that's un, that was totally unanticipated. I don't think that we originally had the thought. We wanted to host it publicly because we thought that would be a way to deliver it to our students and to share across sections at the law school. But when we started getting the public attention, I think that was quite surprising. I mean, it was surprising to me, although you know, validating and all. But um, it wasn't our 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 thought that we were going to get assigned as credit worthy material at other <laughs> law schools. That was that was definitely a, a, a thing that was surprising. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, so you make the podcast for your students, you make it public. I remember when you were publishing it, I mean, it was, you know, you wanted it accessible. And I, I think you guys had a little bit of like, uh, well, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. But now that you're kind of getting that feedback from Duke and other universities, I mean, is there anything that particular particularly surprised you about getting feedback from other uh, students or universities, any audiences that maybe you were surprised uh, found solace in your words about contracts <laughs> over the last <laughs> few months? I have to think that part of what people like is just the fact that we are like sort of amusing ourselves on the, like that just that we're obviously having that we obviously sort of like like what we do like these cases you know we're having we were having fun I think that was probably uh, more so on some cases than others to be fair um I mean some of the cases were actually pretty pretty hard you know they were it was hard material that actually got a little bit thorny but um but I take it that that's part of what that's part of what people liked I was just looking to see I mean we do have 9,000 listens to the podcast. So it kind of did get, I don't know who our audience is besides, I mean, I think maybe former law students, like practicing, I don't know, Dave, do you know? I mean, it's all anecdotal. Like who, who even knows? We have this, I have a former co-author of mine um, who said he's coming and walking in Central Park and he met a bunch of lawyers coming out of their offices arguing about the podcast. And I was like, that, that cannot be true. It cannot be true. But he's like, yeah, they were just, they, they were out there, they were arguing about the podcast. He, had, he didn't know them. He had no relationship with them. They weren't Penn Law grads. And I was like, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous story. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think part of it is, you know, people who, you know, are, are rel I mean, we're relatively serious scholars, but we don't take ourselves that seriously. And I think part of it is, you know, and one of us has like a pretty odd preoccupation with her, you know, her, her home, her home life in Maine. And so I think that part of it is, you know, getting to make fun of the other person about their, their main background, I think is a big part of the podcast. Um, but I don't, I mean, was it surprising? Yeah, it was surprising. On the other hand, I think everyone's kind of hungry for content that doesn't feel totally like empty calories. So something that makes you, they just like we are looking for a way to get through the day and have some thing that you can say you did that was both not, um, that was both intellectual, but also not that hard, but also finished. But I also not focused on the current that also right. not focus on right. current events. Right, right. Not politics. Right. So, some of what's, right. yeah, some it's not politics, not public. I mean, that's just, right. And so, yeah, like, it's a little escapist. All, it's right. It's a little bit escapist, but not so, but not like the, the science fiction fantasy podcast I listen to, which is literally escapist. And so, <laughs> I think that for, for, for law students and for lawyers, this, you know, the, the content can hit a bit of a sweet spot. Now, like, it's not that many listeners. It's not, no. you know, it's not serial. Uh, it's not serial, obviously. And in fact, if someone was like, what order should we listen to the episodes in? 
And I was like, we're not building a thing here that the end we're going to uncover the secrets of contract law. We are literally just going through cases. And someone's like, but I just want to make sure in case you are, you know, if you're getting to a bigger point at the end, I was like, there is no bigger point. This, you're going to be lucky if we get to any point in any of the individual episodes. And so that, that I think that probably limit naturally limits our audience size because I don't think we're, we're growing week to week. Um, but I think that really it's that people are looking for something that is a little bit escapist and a little bit uh, a little bit substantive and and the professors are in the same boat um and yeah. so you know all right i've just actually just now developed a theory are you ready oh god please this is exciting <laughs> which is that law school classrooms are actually unusual or quite formal typically um and quite sort of traditionally hierarchical right so this is so law faculty I mean, typically go, you know, you like you call someone professor last name there. There's a cold calling. There's there's a, it's a right. Okay. And that probably part of what's happening is that we're also being like taken down. Like this is sort of, this is informalizing something that I think a lot of law professors sort of remember a lot of, a lot of lawyers remember, not us, but remember law faculty as, as having this sort of, as being sort of a little bit intimidating or formal or whatever. And then this is a little bit of a sort of, Mm. pulling back like, the curtain yeah. I mean, this is this is the conversation we had in like when we first started doing this I, i'm a big believer in the formality and 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 professor wilkinson ryan is not and so we had a whole series of conversations like what can we refer to each other on the podcast and she's like i'm not calling you professor and then, so for the first two or three of them recorded i just couldn't we couldn't call each other anything I had to sort of just gesture at each other when we we're making the comments but then so what he thinks is you know, uh, so it's like a very pen law thing i think right like this collegiality kind of enabled you to maybe have this podcast that's removed from kind of the 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 historical prestige of the professorship but also trades on it i mean it's it's both it's both it's both collegial and informal but of course it's also true that we're creating it and i think that you know one of the one of the ideas is you get to participate in the in pen law life but you can also hear people basically making fun of each other about their hometowns and their accents and so i think it's um, I don't have get, an accent. Used to be clear. No, no, <laughs> I have. I, no, no, I have an accent, and I apparently. I mean, I've been getting like a lot of comments from people about how I pronounce words the wrong way. Which you know, <laughs> so they're not talking about the cases. They're just like no, you no, just things. You're just getting messages <laughs> from your fans, like Dave, yes. you said that wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Yes, it's like a whole bunch of things that I apparently have idiosyncratic, but I think normatively correct. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's actually just the that's the sum up of all of the as a, every 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 case is just an announcement and Dave starts. I have an idiosyncratic <laughs> but normatively correct take on this case. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> doesn't I mean, make sense on either case. You go your own way. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, mean I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tess. Well, I was just gonna say that that yeah, like that. That's a, I think Matt, you've said something. You've said a better version of what I was trying to say earlier, which is that one of the worries that I had for this, for this fall, for one, for incoming first year students is that they would not get a sense of Penn as the, as a collegial place. And I believe that that collegiality is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you keep announcing it and reinforcing it, you can make it so, and you should. I mean, I think that this is what, this is, this is a something that we do well and but you but it takes effort you have to keep being like this is one of our values so keep so we should do it and so one of the ideas was here this is sort of a a, a way to um create or reinforce that sense um that's like substantive right this is in fact 
you know, this, the, this collaboration is in fact the, re, the result of real collegiality. Um, and it requires all these things that I hope that our students have for each other, like, you know, a certain amount of sort of goodwill, sort of giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, um, being, being willing to treat your, to treat your own views a little bit lightly, right? So, um, some, some sort of sense of humor about what's going on. Um, and you know, the idea is to sort of be like, we, we can still do this even in this, even though nobody can actually, you know, be within six feet of each other. What do you think the key is to a successful legal education podcast? I mean, if you want to narrow it in on the facts, I think like having a once in a hundred year pandemic is definitely the first step. I think that's the, the number one thing I would go for. No, I don't know. Yeah, um, people have to have very, very, very few outside options. Yes, that's a very huge... limited other choices. Yeah. That's, can't go makes... to a bar. Can't, can't go to a coffee shop. Can't, can't talk really to other go people anywhere. in person. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, for, for me, I mean, we do have like a a, a relatively constraining topic that still bears inquiry. So we're just going to talk about the cases and we know a lot about those particular things. I mean, I, you know, we don't have to prepare a ton for these because we've been teaching them for so many years. And so that both allows um, some spontaneity. So you didn't have to like write a script so you can have spontaneous discussion, but the spontaneous discussion is substantive and, and constrained. And so that, that, that really helps like having a thing you're going to talk about that you know about and you don't have to um, plan exactly makes the conversation both informal, but yet grounded. And that, that makes a difference. So there are very few topics on which I could have actually done this. Like I could maybe talk about, you know, sports or politics in this way, but it wouldn't be constrained in, in the same, in the same manner. Um, and then, you know, I, th I think, you know, what, te what Tess said is really true. Like, I mean, you really have to trust the other person. I mean, I just, I don't think I really, um, realized how sort of sensitive some of the case conversations could be because they do reveal things about your, I mean, the way you fill gaps in the cases turns out to be related to your own personality and history in ways that are pretty funny. Like both of us have a lot of these views about, you know, how disordered we should permit the law to be that come pretty directly from experiences as like fifth graders. And so I think we're, we're trying to, um, you know, you have to be a little bit careful with the other person and, and careful with your own ideas. And so you have to trust um, uh, your, I mean, if you're going to do it with someone else, you have to trust. And I do think it's, it's useful to do it with someone else. I think that a podcast that was just me talking is not going to, I mean, I don't, I don't have the, I neither have the charisma nor the voice for it. Uh, so I think that it would be, um, it would have been really tough. So th those are my, those are my ingredients. Plus a really great, really great title and some very good intro music. That's what he's saying because I made up the title. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, we took a vote on Twitter, though. We did. We did. <laughs> but it was so, all other titles were like so bad that nobody was even remotely close to, choose, to choosing them. Um, what was the runner-up? Do you remember what the other? Do you remember oh, what the title runner-up was? One, two, three. One, two, three contracts. One, two, three contracts. Three, two, three, two, one contracts. Three, two, one contracts, which is some like nineteen eighties joke that I never, I didn't really understand. Three, two, one contracts, right? Like, like the show. Yeah. Is this familiar to you? I just thought three, two, one go, like off to the races. Contact and okay, well, whatever. I think that it. I partially, I felt confident that this that this format could could work because um, when we went all, we, when we all went remote in the spring, I was midway through teaching my, through, through teaching a different course, teaching consumer law. And I had, to, and so, you know, I think in the spring, many of, I, 
I assume I wasn't alone in sort of like experimenting with different ways of sort of delivering a good law school class. And what I found was that um, if I could get anyone to talk to me on video, it was so much better than anything I recorded of just me talking about the material. Me talking was just, it had no like momentum. Like it didn't go, you, you were never like, what's she going to say next? Because it was like, oh God, mostly, you know, it's just mostly me fumbling and sort of looking through my book and saying sort of stuff that sounded pretty canned, even if I hadn't canned it. Um, but in the spring, one of the things I did was to invite like three or four people just to, to record like a half an hour Zoom video, basically, about about the material we were covering in consumer law. Um, and And those were... Like my students said, this this feels great, even though some of the videos were very, you know, clunky. It was just me saying, so, you know, Bob, what do you think about this case? And then he would say, well, I think, you know, even if some of it was just sort of revealing the, the basic structure of the case, it wasn't doing anything particularly complicated. But something about a dialogue has sort of a forward motion where you're kind of curious what the person's going to respond, right? Um, and I think that, so I, for, I think that, that that helps a little bit with some sort of, low level like entertainment value or sort of intrinsic you know sort of intrinsic salience of the conversation can you talk a little bit about the role of music in the podcast we wanted to make it sound a little bit more polished than just like every time being like hello let's talk about jacob and young's versus kent or something so we made an introduction we made a little introduction and for each podcast we chose like a 15 second snippet of a song that had that was about promising. <laughs> and some of them, some of them are a little bit generic, but some of them like just really gave me like a, just a deep sense of satisfaction that like if we were teaching a case about two um, meat packing companies that were merging, I found a song about promises sung by Meatloaf. <laughs> come on that's so good how many times <laughs> every single time she found one of these songs she'd send me an email being like isn't this an amazing choice can you tell me this is an amazing choice and i would write back i would write back yes it was an amazing choice and so i'm glad that you asked that question because i can just say that Probably. for many for, for at least some people the introductory music is in fact the the best part of the whole enterprise um, and and shows that we're not just we're not just amateurs we are professionals trying to polish up this thing and to make professional it. professionally googling lyrics yeah. promise yes Meet. we are professionally we are professionally tying together in a multimedia <laughs> way so that there's different uh, different ways that students understand that we care that's the message professional we, professional <laughs> You got to, uh, you got to, you got to do the official uh, promises, promises Spotify playlist, so oh, people can listen so to all of the songs good. that you yeah. use for your intro. Some of the songs are really good too. We've gotten some requests for merch, uh, for, for merchandising. <laughs> and, <laughs> we, have, we have, we have, we have gotten requests for it, and so I've, I've definitely looked on how hard that is. I mean, the problem is that like you, you have to really just know your total audience size, and so if I would knew it was a thousand orders, I would, I would go, I would go for the t-shirt right now. Four um, total audience <laughs> size. People interested in merch. Four contracts professors from the Midwest. Two of them live together at Duke. <laughs> Basically is the problem. It's a couple. 
It's a couple. <laughs> professor's a duke. It's not. That's not true. It's not. It is not the least bit true. That it, I am sure that those lawyers in Central Park really exist, and they would probably want to have a mug. And so we're gonna we're gonna look into this long term. I think. So, uh, what are your favorite episodes? So I'll start. I think that the Conned versus Errol is a really fun case. It is a case that no one else teaches. It's in no one other books because it's a case essentially by. Um, uh, the small claims court. Small claims court in New York City in the 1970s. It has no precedential value and is almost certainly wrong. Um, but the the facts, I think, led us to a, a good discussion about about like the the role of disorder and uh, lay intuitions in law. And I think that was a pretty pretty good case. That, that's my recommendation. If you're going to listen to just one promises promises episode, I would listen to Con Ed versus Arrow. What was the case where we ended up talking about the um, social value of gossip? Oh God, that was oh. that was that was super dangerous. Uh... <laughs> I know it was. Um, all right, well here I'll, I'll say. I mean, a couple of the, in some ways, actually, a couple of the better episodes are the ones that were the hardest to record because, and, and that we had to go back and do again, or twice, because, huh, or twice, or, or, or come back twice. So, so, so the oh, um, the dance, the dancing, the dancing, the dancing. Case. Yeah. So one of my favorite episodes turned out to be this case called um, Folks versus Arthur Murray, where, um, where where a client of a dance studio, a, you know, a customer of a dance studio, sued because she felt she'd been misled about her um, about her dance aptitude. She'd been misled to believe she was. Um, better at dancing than she was and um and she had bought all these dance lessons and she that she couldn't use or that she didn't want to use anymore because um she because she had sort of come to the come to the view that she was not good at dancing but it's one of the better episodes because first of all we, we had to try a couple times to get to get it right um so we did get a little bit further along in our thinking but also it raised all these pretty deep and interesting questions about like what is the role of a hobby in your life and how do you think about sort of um uh about what it means to like take some enterprise seriously i don't know it was, it was um it, it was really interesting and then we and we got to talk a little bit about like what contract law can do and what it can't do um and some of the cases i think are the, that are the interesting ones are cases about like whether or not contracts really should be getting involved in this. So we also recorded this case B2C2 versus Coin, which um which is a, which is a pretty good which is a, a good podcast episode even if I myself cannot stomach the case itself which is just about cryptocurrency exchanges or something. Um and but 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 a lot of the but a lot of what we were disagreeing on was about is this really what contract law should be doing? Um, and so it's kind of it's kind of fun when you can zoom out and ask like what does it all mean? What's the point of all this? Um, also, the podcast is I mean one of the nice things about a podcast. So on a case like B two C two versus Coin, which has like really um, complex facts, um, you can kind of take your time and lay out and really lay out the the facts in a way that's like deliberate and almost like. Um, almost almost over overly deliberate right but in a way that sort of everyone can can get on board with what's really going on so you can have a conversation about the same thing whereas oftentimes in law school courses you're sort of talking past each other a little bit because you know the faculty member knows so much more about the sort of has a such a better understanding of just the mechanics of the case right anyway that's, that's so some of those some of those podcasts like b2c2 where you're just sort of like just being really careful about laying laying the groundwork. Um, I think 
they feel like really, really solid contributions. Yeah. I, I think actually in, in general, the ones that are the less classic ones are better. Um, you know, the ones that are, wait, you disagree. Why do you disagree? No, sorry, I agree, but you know what I just thought, but actually with the, that actually our first one was pretty fun. Lucy versus Emma. Oh yeah, that was fun. That's, That's fun. a fun case. Lucy versus yeah. Emma, it's a case about people who try to sell a farm um, when they are probably both drunk and at least one of them is thinking, thinks he's joking. Um, and that's a, that's a, that was a good, that was a um, fun conversation in part because in some ways that one's the opposite, right? Because the facts are so straightforward that you can kind of, that you can, you, you can riff a little bit. Um, so you just wrapped season one, right? <laughs> Officially, right? At least that's what it said. Season two. <laughs> so, I mean, so what's the plan for the future? I mean, you have a you have a case book that you're working from. You're going to inevitably run out of those cases, um, and then kind of where does the podcast go from here? What's season two? Torts. Just torts. start teaching torts. That's it. Want to hear my theories on? Federal courts. Federal courts. That would be truly amazing. Like Ted. Ted makes us. Ted Ruger just decides. Like, why don't we just need people to teach federal courts or common law for the love of God? And we could just imagine just sort of having us talk about the cases, being like, I have no idea what's going on in this case. Do you have an idea? No, but I did read the horn book last night, and here's what it says. <laughs> Literally, what it's like. <laughs> so terrible. Um, I have no idea. I mean, I was thinking about like, you know, how well will these uh, these episodes age? Uh, mm. So some of them might age actually perfectly fine, um, you know, even as our voices don't, um, even <laughs> as we ourselves get older. But, you know, some of them, like the ones that are recorded in August, I mean, you, it's not quite there, but it, you, you can feel the virus at the door a little bit. Like there's a feeling of like, you know, we really are locked down in that moment. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, you know, in, in a year or two or three years, how, how listeners would experience um that podcast so you know to the extent that i mean i i imagine i would use this as teaching material again you know even in a, in a fully in-person environment um but we might have to revisit some of the episodes in the future um i mean there are more cases to talk about um you know i don't know like i'm i'm kind of up for doing more of this but you're right that like we're gonna run out of the cases in the casebook um sooner or later and one of the things about not having like a uh, we're discovering who the real murderer is, um, makes it hard to figure out where to go. Uh, uh, we could invite someone else on and, and have their views about the cases. And then, I don't know, we, we have to think about it. That's a, I mean, if we're going to sell the merchandise, which I think we all really, if we're going to make the money, I think we really expect to make, we're going to have to, you know, feed the, feed the beast. It's also just hard to know right now if anything I mean, I don't know, maybe I have a, I have sort of like a cyclical crises of confidence and thinking like, I actually don't know if anything I'm doing right now is particularly good, right? The, 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 <laughs> like, I feel like I'm definitely grading all of my stuff on a curve. So if once, once students start having the, once, once, you know, law students start having packed schedules again, right, where every lunchtime they can go to a talk filled with speakers from, you know, um, whatever, <laughs> from who are experts in their field. I don't know, this, this seems like it becomes a little bit less appealing. With that said, I, I maintain that the, that the primary like use of this is to have on as you're taking a walk or maybe cooking dinner. And that seems to me like that kind of persists, right? Like if you're in law school and you're walking home, which is a great idea, you should get some exercise, get some fresh air, right? That seems kind of nice. Like it's kind of low key and you can listen to it. And so even if it's not, even if you think to yourself, my goodness, these people, whatever, are talking too slow or, you know, 
or didn't get to the point that I thought they were going to or whatever, I guess they wouldn't think we're talking too slow. They didn't, yeah. No, I get, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you get the idea. Even if they think like this is, this is not as useful as sort of like reading the, 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 the Hornbook or something. It's still something you can do while you're taking a walk. That's kind of like passive and pleasant. What, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? My office. <laughs> I just go back to my office. <laughs> That's not true. There's all kinds of things I'm looking forward to. But <laughs> so we're we're going to talk. We're, let's just limit it to at pen. That way, that way, it's a more constrained set of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to eating in the courtyard. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to eating outside in the sunlight in the late spring with colleagues well that's my point i'm trying to find wins that are like maybe achievable but possibly not yeah yeah I'm, yeah I'm looking forward to getting to eat with my colleagues again i think that that'll be that'll be fun it's been a really odd experience to come into the building see no one talk to no one and run out as quickly yeah. as you possibly can that's all been that's all been really challenging so um, i'm looking yeah. forward to that unscheduled unscheduled interactions yeah just you're at work and you just saw a colleague also getting coffee yeah you asked how their work was going or whatever yeah you don't see them as a source of like existential terror because they might be sick like the whole thing would be so much better if we could just yeah in each other's presence yeah 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 um well thank you very much and just real quick if you could tell everybody where to find your podcast and then i will send you off we're we're on all of the podcast uh platforms spotify iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Awesome. I usually get to it by Googling Promises, Promises podcasts and sometimes my own name. 